All right. You ready? Mm, I'm almost just finished my drink just in the pregame. Anyways. <laughs> you can go get more. We have time. I won't get all sloppy during our episodes. It's going to be a short one. Howdy, it's Wednesday, March 27th, 2019, and this is episode 95 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz Podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's good, Craig? Excited to talk about some Atlantic City stuff, although, you know, it feels like we're never, we're never going to go again. I, I bet we go in the next two months. Really? Bold prediction. You don't think so? You don't think we're going to go before Memorial Day? Maybe. I like... I like that you're just putting it out there. Yeah, we'll we'll go in the next two months. At least I will go. I don't know about you. Your life seems more crazy, but... We'll figure it out. Let's make that the goal. And we'll go from there. I mean, it's not going to be long. It'll be, like, I can do a day trip, maybe, or, like, one night. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll figure it out. Let's do it. All right. Done. Scheduled. Cool. Well, that was a good episode. I think it was very productive. <laughs> it was incredibly you. productive. <laughs> It actually wasn't because we actually decided nothing. But what happened in 1995, Greg? So 1995, Trump Plaza, the first phase of the East Tower, which is the shorter tower, not the iconic two for a win tower <laughs> from our logo. That's right. Uh, opened in October of 1995. And also in 1995, the showboat completed a major renovation incorporating their Mardi Gras theme, which oh. I never realized there was a pre-Mardi Gras version of the showboat. Yeah, me either. I, I did not know that until right now. But We were 12. You know that I love the Mardi Gras theme. It's great. I it cannot was, get enough of it. It That's was fantastic. Why, you know, all the non-Harris Atlantic City Harris, I love them because they're Mardi Gras themed. Uh, you showboat, it's just, it's so good. Do you actually like the Mardi Gras theme or is it just that you happen to like those things and they happen to have a Mardi Gras theme? Hmm. I've never really thought about it, but... I think it works very well for a casino. For me, it's just, you know, I spent a lot of time in Harrah's in Las Vegas. It was like one of the first casinos I spent like a bunch of time in. Or at least, you know, in Vegas at least. I'm sure I've spent the most time in Harrah's compared to all the other casinos. But So it might be the thing where I'm like nostalgic back to that every time I go in to one of the Harrah's around the country other than Harrah's Atlantic City, which is not Mardi Gras themed. It has like some inklings, but it's definitely not. The it's not. Anyway. No, the showboat was the, yeah, Harris. It was the unofficial Harris of Atlantic City. You hate New York, New York, right? And you hate. Oh yeah. You do and not like, like Paris. Excalibur. You don't like yeah. Paris. Okay. That, so you no. hate like really in your face themes. Mardi yeah. Gras is a theme for a casino. Does not feel particularly like beating you over the head with a the theme. I, I think it's not the over the topness, and like I don't hate Excalibur. Like, I think Luxor is fine. But yeah, New York, New York, and Paris, I just, there's something about them that I do not like being in those buildings. New York, New York doesn't really feel nice. Like, Paris, at least to me, feels interesting and different. I think nice. Paris, it's like the fake sky that's in the casino, like, really bothers me. Uh, yeah. That's in a lot of places in Vegas. I mean, it's yeah. in the entire Forum Shops and Caesars. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's something about Paris that rubs me the wrong way. 
I could see that. I like it, but I can see where it would annoy people. Anyways, I also looked up 1895 based on a suggestion from Paul, my brother. Uh, and Friend of the it, podcast. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Paul. 1895, Press of Atlantic City was founded as the Atlantic City Daily Press by Walter Edge. And Walter Edge would end up being the governor of New Jersey, I think, from 1917 to 1919. And his campaign was managed by Nucky Johnson. So that yeah, is some seriously go. Atlantic City stuff in 1895. That's good. What a I'm meaningful glad, year for Atlantic City. I'm glad City that you've history. started to do that because we can keep this going until, well, for another 100 episodes, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, because we haven't done any. I mean, yeah. well, because we can do like 1901. I don't think 1801 is going to, I think it was probably like, you know. Yeah, I think it was like 18, 1850s <laughs> is when they first started settling it. Uh, but yeah, then we can get up to like where we were talking about the 70s. Yeah. Then now we can talk about the 1870s and like the United States Hotel and stuff like that. Like that sounds great. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Oh man. It's going to be our highest rated segment in yeah. history, I can tell already. Yeah. The history segment will be the highest rated segment in history. As it is on all podcasts. That's true. I hear that's what the people like. <laughs> so, anything else about the 1890s? Uh, I don't really have a whole lot else, but I, I think it's a good idea. I'm glad you've done it. Uh, good job, Paul. Yeah, I'm I taking... owe you an old-fashioned. Yeah, he does like an old-fashioned. 1895, yeah. very old-fashioned. Anyways, Gamblepalooza is in two weeks, so if you are going to Atlantic City, have a good time. It seems like it's going to be quite the group, and they have a full schedule uh, go to CousinVitosCasino.com slash Gamblepalooza to see all of the details or follow Cousin Vito and Eric Rosenthal. It seems like they're handling all the details. Kyle, are we going to Gamblepalooza? We're not because we're terrible podcasters. Yeah, pretty much. We've already discussed this, but we're both out of town in different areas of the country and not going. Uh, but everyone have a really good time. Win some money. The other thing that has been scheduled is the annual Everything AC Casinos Meet. It's been set for August 17th, so you still got a few months for that. That's going to be at Resorts. Check the Everything AC group for details. It should be a huge, huge group. I think they had over 200 people for their Ugly Sweater Meetup uh, in December. I expect similar numbers for this. I am hoping to maybe get there for that, but it's two weeks after I get back from Vegas, so I'm skeptical. So we'll see what happens. You are out of town again. I'm I'm also on vacation that are, week. Are, are you ever around? Is that a uh, thing? I'm around quite a lot. It's just I don't know, just bad timing. People like call you, and they're like, "Hey, when are you not around?" And then that's when they schedule. Yeah, that, yeah. that's probably actually it. They're People like, hacked my email just to yeah. see when I'm not around. They check so they your Outlook calendar or whatever. Yep. So. Anyway, Greyhound is scrapping their open returns in favor of scheduled reserve seats on all buses to and from AC starting April 1st. Uh, hat trick to Megan Kay in the Facebook group, a frequent commenter, always has good comments. Hat trick? Hat tip. Hat tip. Hat she trick. scored three goals. Three, that, three, three, hat, three hat tips. Uh, yeah, I like it. I think she does deserve three hat tips because this, I had no idea that this was a thing and now i'm mad online about it i'm very angry yeah i uh, mean this this seems like a huge game changer because i know a lot of times you like to be in a game time decision to which bus you're going to take back right oh yeah i love it i mean i think that's it's a huge huge perk for me of the the bus so i i'm i understand the flip side of that which is if you're going peak time if you're going in the summer and i've done this and gone in the summer and come back on like a sunday afternoon in the summer 
you have to get to the bus really early to feel confident you're going to get a seat. Uh, but for me, like most of the time I'm doing like Friday to Saturday and leaving Saturday afternoon, uh, or I'm totally off peak and leaving like, you know, Sunday morning or Saturday evening off peak. Uh, and at those times, like the buses are just empty, so it doesn't matter. So a couple of points that are worth mentioning about this, uh, no open ended tickets. Like you mentioned, if you need to switch and take a later bus, like you realize that you're on a heater and going to miss your bus or you're you're at a Buffalo machine and you have a hundred free plays. Yeah, exactly. Your free place. You you have to call Greyhound and they will make you pay a change of itinerary fee that I believe is twenty dollars, which is like the price That's, of the ticket. <laughs> right. It's like forty five dollars round trip. Right. Yeah. It's like two bucks less than the price of the ticket. So. That's pretty rough. I mean, I'm really not a fan of this. I understand why they're, why they're doing it. Like, it gets some certainty. I think for peak summer travelers, it's very convenient because it means instead of, right. like, leaving on Sunday, if you're taking a 2 p.m. bus, you need to be down at the bus terminal at, like, 1. Now you can just roll up 10 minutes ahead of time and know you have a reserved seat. But uh, for me, like, it's that's got to be such a small percentage of – overall trips and i always sort of thought the open return was because like those buses had to get back to new york anyway right mm-hmm. like they bust a bunch of people down and then they take buses back and a lot of times those buses are empty so like who cares which return you take so i understand it for like peak trips but is this really beneficial for like a saturday in december or like a thursday no. in december i don't i mean I it's absolutely it. not right i mean it might be beneficial to greyhound's bottom line but it sounds like this is something that it sounds like you're saying and i agree with you that it's beneficial like 10 percent of the time and it's just worse the other 90 percent. right exactly so i i think for them like yeah they're gonna get a fee maybe there's some efficiency right. thing here where they maybe they don't actually run these buses back to new york now they send them to philly and go somewhere mm. else like where they're needed i don't know if they figured out something yeah, with that that's true they probably can do less trips overall with us and i will say there's probably certain types of customers that this is only a good thing for. Oh, I'm sure. I, like, I'm, I'm sure, sure there's people like... that want to have a set schedule anyway, and they'll only see this as a positive. I'm going to guess that there are a lot of people who flat out refuse to take the bus because of the open policy. Mm. Um, I don't, and I don't know if it's how that is in comparison to the number of people who think the open policy is a huge benefit. But I, I, if I had to wager, I would think the people who were taking it and love the open policy are still going to take it and just kind of grouse about having to have a set return. Whereas like the people who wouldn't have taken it before are now going to be like, Oh, now I have a reserve seat. So yeah, I, I understand it from their perspective, but from me personally, it's, it's annoying. Yeah. So that's that right. starting April 1st. Look forward to that. So potentially my next Atlantic city trip. I will have to you actually pick have a time. scheduled return yeah. time instead of it just being a mystery and me trying to be a bad influence and convince you to take a later <laughs> bus than you want to. Yeah. yeah. After you're gone, which is the best part. <laughs> like you're already in the car and you're oh, like, yeah. you should no, take it's still the like, midnight bus. Come on, Craig. <laughs> I've already let the team down. <laughs> you have to uphold our honor for us, for me. Yes. That's a good point. All right. So do you want to get to the big and ridiculous news of the week? It's not ridiculous. Come on. It's a 10th casino for Atlantic City. That's 100% definitely happening. 
make plans it's opening look when you have someone with the business record of mark blatstein everything he says is going to happen he's never come to atlantic city and said anything that hasn't been true yeah i was gonna say specifically in atlantic city i mean i think his record in philadelphia is like much better actually decent yeah (laughs) so anyway uh Bart Flatstein put in a request, or this is kind of the first request of many to get a license to open a casino in the showboat. But the catch is, and this came out like two hours after the initial story came out about a week ago, is that because of the deed restriction on the showboat property, he can't actually run a casino in the showboat, or at least it would require more legal fees than he wants to spend. So he's trying to get this license for what is now the volleyball courts between the showboat and the ocean. And he can build a new building there and make it a casino. Yeah. So if you remember back to like episode 15 or something, uh, probably in that era, the volleyball courts are a totally separate parcel of land. Not oh, yes. to the showboat. And, and one Glenn Straub was very, very angry that he put in a, I think like double the bid that Bart Blatstein put in to buy those and, the city of Atlantic City still sold them to Blatstein, right? Yes. There was a there was a time when Blatstein was absolutely the favored developer <laughs> of Atlantic City. Yeah, I'm going to guess that that is not the case anymore. Um, but he has been given this whatever statement of compliance, so it means he can move forward in applying for an actual casino license. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I guess they're just going to build a big box next to it, like sort of the way Bally's is a big box next to the Dennis Hotel. What do you imagine a Bart Bladstein casino to look like, given everything else that he's done? Which Depressing. Is, for the uninitiated, it's the playground and the showboat are the big things, right? Well, and the garden pier. <laughs> That's just yeah. dead. Oh, yes. The, uh, look, I mean, I think it's a brilliant decision for him because it'll only enhance the property value of the pier AC, which, as we all know, is the hottest nightlife spot in atlantic city that's a good so this is now directly across from the pier ac right that's from the garden pretty, pier. pretty pretty much yeah yeah so you know you could have sort of an outdoor beer garden type of thing which obviously they talked about at the pier ac and opened i think very briefly <laughs> uh yeah it might have been open for like one or two weekends yeah. and by outdoor beer garden i mean like one bar that There's you could get a beer from yeah. uh so i don't i mean and so you, we joked about this on online about, you know, he's going to have like eight slot machines, right? And just mm-hmm. plunk it in a cinder block box and call it a casino. I mean, it's not a very big space. It's not going to be a large casino, right? My assumption is that it's going to be very machine heavy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like Bart's Slots of Fun Casino for those of it, you. Who it will be like Slots of Fun. Yeah. Will yeah, it have so 99 cent hot dogs? That's a good point. I don't know. longs. Yeah, so slots of fun is the thing attached to Circus Circus, everybody's favorite upscale casino Everyone, in Vegas. If you don't know that, then shame on you. Uh, hey, we may have AC people who just never go to Vegas, like us. Yeah. It's been six years. I, I never go to Vegas, and I still think fondly of slots of fun. <laughs> I've only walked through there once, and I was like, oh boy. This is like oh, if I've, I've actually strip mall. eaten a hot dog there. Wow. I'm I impressed. got one of the hot dogs that they advertise heavily. I'm I'm very impressed. Have you also it, gotten? It's, it's strange because I love slots of fun, even though I don't think I've ever gambled there. But and I hate circuit service. So, what about Casino Royale? Similar. 
so I haven't really been to Casino Royale. Like, I've certainly never gambled there. But going back and, you know, I got really into following Vegas News and Vegas tripping. And I know something that they kind of talked about all the time was Casino Royale. It, it kind of made me sad that I didn't spend a little more time there. Didn't get any of the dollar Michelobes that they used to have that I don't think they have anymore. I think it's like $2 Michelobes now. Ugh. Terrible. Uh, so there was a while where they had something that was like a hundred bucks free play mm-hmm. and it was one of the Vegas podcasts. I think it was just a listener who posted the, uh, oh. casino Royale challenge. The Maybe challenge it was somebody on Vegas tripping with, okay. with, uh, Cinnabon and yeah. Like, so you bet your hundred bucks once through and whatever you had left, you had to spend on like dollar Michelob's hot dogs and stuff in the food court, which and could Cinnabon. be like Cinnabon's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. That was on Vegas. I think that was just a post on Vegas. Yeah, I think I think at thirty five, like that could have been that would have been something I would have loved to do at like twenty five. At thirty five, I just don't think I could yeah. do that. Well, I mean, it would uh, end my trip. Like I would just be <laughs> like in the hotel room throwing up for a trip. Were you in your apartment in college when me and your roommate Craig did the first and ten challenge? Yes, the football game. I was. You guys made the mistake of getting Nathan's hot dogs, man. You need to get uh, the blandest hot dogs possible. Oh, boy. That sure was a bad decision. So for the uninitiated, the first and ten challenge is where you have to finish ten hot dogs and ten beers during a football game. And we both got to like eight, eight and a half. Yeah, it was close. It was close. Craig, Craig might have gotten closer, but he also threw up everywhere afterwards. So <laughs> That sounds like Craig. He I had like eight or eight and a half of, of each, but did not throw up which might be kind of in the short term was probably better for me but in the long term certainly is worse uh also another story about craig throwing up is when we were in vegas i yep. don't think it was the last time i think it was the time before that so we went to what was it la bayou is that where yes La yeah, Bayou. so r.i.p uh and they had frozen drinks and you frozen can... drinks and slot machines that actually spit out quarters yeah, and you could pay like an extra two bucks, and they just add another shot of vodka to your drink. So he did that twice, and with you, yeah. I, would like to say I think you I were only also had... not in good shape, but I didn't. But I didn't throw purple up all over the room where it <laughs> sat for the remainder of our two more nights in that Cosmo room. Um, and then he woke up and he was like, "I made it to the sink," and I was like, "There's a purple stain on the floor that disagrees with you." <laughs> Yeah, you and Craig weren't doing good. I don't think you. I think you guys both didn't come out with us that night, did you? I know at least certainly. No, guys. I think I ended up sobering up while I tried to clean up Craig's puke and uh-huh. and went back out. Did you? Were you there when we were gambling heavily in the fat burger on the strip? Yes, poker? yes, I absolutely was. Yes, and they thought it was amazing. I was definitely we just that. playing poker with cash in the fat burger. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, I think King, I caught up with you guys at the Fat Burger. Kings and the Little Men, specifically. That Fat Burger is still there, and I plan to be there in July. Oof. Oh, man. Fat that burger. makes me jealous. Rest in peace, Borgata Fat Burger. Yeah, that's why you should go, out. go to Borgata Fat Burger. Burgers with all of the exact same equipment as Fat Burger. <laughs> right. Burgers probably taste exactly the same. Uh, so what else is there to say about this ridiculous Chobo Casino? Like, what, what are the odds that this actually happens? I give it, like, 8%. I feel like this is one of those things like it should happen, right? Like how hard is it to put a you know box of slots there? But he also said he was going to put a sports book at the end of the playground pier. He said lots of shit about the playground pier. That's never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think eight is low. Remember T Street? <laughs> yeah, T Street happened. It just sucked. I think I think 15%. So you think double the odds of what I have? 
Yeah, but it's still low. I mean, we're talking like one in six, one in seven. I, I do not have high hopes. Um, so what's the story with the showboat, though? I thought there was two competing deed restrictions on the property. I thought there was the Caesars one, which says it cannot be a casino. And then there was another one from the Taj that said it must be a casino. No, they they agreed to lift that one. Okay. Because I think once they were like, while I think while Carl Icahn's still in the Taj, he was like, well, this was a restriction that was set like in the 90s when Atlantic City was doing gangbusters. It is dumb to have a restriction that says there must be another casino in Atlantic City, and they lifted that. At least that's right. how I understand it. The I mean, clearly know. it's not a casino right now, so it's. <laughs> I mean, th- so this is so strange too, because as we know, they've like are in the process of transitioning a bunch of the hotel rooms into apartments. I don't. I don't think that there's a long term plan. I think I think all of this stuff is just like flying by the seat of, by the seat of his pants, and like, like now I'm so, going to do this. Now is the time. Like there's some window of like approvals or whatever, so I need to do this now. And so it's just like keeping a bunch of options open. Although the you know the so apartment thing is my, definitely happening. My theory, like I don't think he's an idiot, right? No, no, I don't think so. I at think all. he has a plan, but I'm with you. I mean, I've been pushing from you know, the very beginning of the podcast saying his plan is just to like wait and see and hope that other people turn Atlantic city around so he can make a profit. Like he's certainly not trying to do anything to actually turn it around. Yeah. And I think the casino thing falls right in line with that. Like I think that the property is more valuable or at least it opens up itself to more investors. If you have an attached casino thing. So the thing is, he doesn't actually do anything. He doesn't actually spend any money. Like, do you think all these things that he does, like all the ridiculous announcements he makes, is just because there's, like, pressure put on him by whether it be the city council or the state or whoever, just being like, yo, dude, what are you doing with these properties? Like, why did he even say this? Like, I, you, I don't know you, if it's you even have to pressure. He doesn't want to do it, right? I think he does want to do it. I think he wants to do it, but he wants to do it as cheaply as possible. So mm-hmm. so the 15% that I say that this happens is just that, you know, he's going to build four walls and a roof and put a bunch of machines and maybe, like, a couple of tables in there and hire, like, two dealers. And it's going to be really depressing and sad. Uh, but that it will still be a casino. And, and then once it's a casino, any potential future buyer has that option to make it a casino. So... I don't, yeah, but I, I don't. I mean, I don't have any faith that it's going to be something that we're excited about or that it's worth going. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because like he's done things in Philadelphia that have been like big, significant developments that have you know changed the landscape of neighborhoods in Philadelphia, and he just hasn't. And I think that was sort of the, the reputation he brought with him to Atlantic City of like I'm going to totally make Atlantic City awesome, and it just it seems like he's totally just here like squatting on land and waiting for for everything else to come in and hard rock and an ocean and them to make that end of the board walk valuable again. So, so what would you say you give 15%? When do you think this new casino structure, which I think we both think is going to be not a real casino, but like a little crappy box. When do you think this would be open? Uh, like 2020 summer. All right. In time for 2020 summer. I will I will make you a wager. Okay. You lost your last wager against me. 
Yeah, so so what is the well, status of our wagers now? You owe me I owe you food a dinner. And hard rock. I owe you a meal at Hard Rock. And I owe you ten is it ten bucks or did I lose two bets to you and I owe you twenty bucks? Because I think our other bets were ten each, right? Yeah, there was ten on would any casino come in under ten? That seems to be a winner for me. Yes, that is certainly a winner for well, you. What was the other ten dollar bet? Oh, the Super Bowl. You owe me ten dollars from the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. I had the pass. So, I owe you twenty bucks. You owe me a meal. I'm still probably slightly ahead, but oh yeah, yeah. I think you're significantly ahead. I will give you the opportunity to make it all back, Craig, <laughs> with another ten dollars. I will bet. say, I will give you fifty dollars if a casino is open at the Showboat by January first, twenty twenty one. If you give me five dollars, if it's not, I mean, I have to take that because five dollars is just a meaningless amount of money. But I. I think that's probably fine odds. I think that's probably right in the I mean, line. You said fifteen percent. I'm giving you. I'm yeah. giving you ten uh, percent. So, yeah, I think that. I think that's good. I thought you were going to say ten for fifty. Oh no, no, that that would be. Yeah, that's yeah. Not, I don't think. Right, it's just like I had one to pick a number between our two numbers, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, you're on. We won't remember that this is a bet, but oh, I, yeah. let's do it. I'm. <laughs> I'm hoping the listeners are starting a spreadsheet of all of the bets we make. But somebody, somebody should. This feels like a free five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> as we discussed in the pre-show yes even if you have to lay a lot of money out on the table sometimes there's just free money to be had yeah i ran the kelly criteria numbers and it was a very good bet for me to make so i actually think eight percent was probably overselling what i think the odds are of this happening <laughs> wow uh, i don't know man i i think there's gonna be i think well, there could so, be like so a strip looking thing and just put some it's, slots in so there. the thing that actually concerns me that might end up making a good bet for you is like it's possible that he could actually sell it to someone else who actually wants to do something with the property and then maybe they would want to open up a casino that'd be really hard to do by 2021 i think yeah i mean it's like a year and a half from now a little more but it'd be tough because then they'd also have to do the construction yeah i i think i'm in good shape yeah it's an interesting bet i like it i like interesting bets I'm going to be happy in six months when nothing has happened. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, you've now, we've now reached the point where it's impossible for a casino to open up here. Yeah. Unless Caesars removes the deed restriction. Yeah, and then he just literally has to turn the lights on and put some slots in there. Yep. Eh, it's a good bet. I think, so last thing I'll say about this. I think the most interesting thing about this is that it seems to indicate that whatever the price that he would have to pay Caesars to lift that deed restriction is more than the cost of constructing whatever he thinks he's going to construct next to it. Which is shocking to me, because I would not have thought that the number to lift the deed restriction would have been that high. It depends on how cheap of a building he wants to make. That's a good point. Again, the volleyball, the volleyball courts are not that big. so. And if you're Caesars, like, you really do not want... That's true. A new casino to open in Atlantic City. Yeah. And, and, right. And they, so they have no incentive to like work with him on a number, right? No. So they just be like, it's a hundred million bucks. Like, they would just crazy. want him. And, yeah. <laughs> like, I think basically no amount of money is, I mean, there will be an amount of money that would be worth it, but they would much rather have not another casino opening up than ever X many millions of dollars he's willing to pay them. Yeah. That's true. That's interesting. Like, it's worth more to caesars to not have a casino there than it is like to make reasonable for blatstein to pay 10 million dollars or something right, right. yeah, that's, Cer- yeah certainly that's it'd be, it's probably not even close with with that number 
Yeah, because I was always sort of like, well, you know, you can always just pay to lift the deed restriction. It's a casino. It makes money. But you're right. Like, Caesars could just put in astronomical money. They don't care. Like, right? It makes no difference for, to them. Yeah. They just don't <laughs> want another casino open in Atlantic yeah. City. Okay. Uh, what else? So, I, I, um, I know I mentioned... I think sometime during or after last episode that I had a question for you and I thought it would be too long, but I think now's a good time to, to ask it. Let's do it. And I know it's, it's a question that we've kind of talked about a little bit before, but we didn't have the same view on everything that we have now. So just to set it up before I actually ask the question, you know, we've spent a bunch of the last few episodes talking about like what a disappointment Atlantic City's kind of been in recent history and especially the ocean and the hard rock, I think have been like the two biggest disappointments for us in the last six months, let's say, or since they've been open. Right. I think that's a fair statement. Oh yeah, absolutely. So given the disappointment that they both have been and given the amount of money, the $500 million or whatever that hard rock has poured into the Taj Mahal, I just was wondering if we wanted to revisit the question. If they could do it again, do you think the Hard Rock would have just bought the ocean instead of the Taj? And should they have? So there's two layers to that, right? So there's the... Because presumably, like, I don't think if the Hard Rock doesn't buy the Taj, I don't think the Taj is a casino right now. Oh, I agree with So there's that factor as well. Um, So so I was going to say there's two factors to that. One is... Hard Rock sank way more money into the Taj renovation than they thought they were going to have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now they're making less money than we presume they thought they were going to. Yep. Uh, the flip side of that is Ocean is now open and doing even worse than Hard Rock. So yep. so it did Hard Rock look at Ocean and see all the problems, or look at whatever it was, Re- former Revel, and see all the problems that we're going to be almost unfixable and say, we can't even put a number on this. Like we can't even figure out a number that it would take to make this work. Whereas they looked at Taj and said, it's a ridiculous number, but we think we can make it work. And I I think you're right. I think that's the key question, but I disagree with the statement, all the problems. I mean, I think there is really just one problem with that property and it's the layout, right? But it's that's a huge problem, right? So <laughs> it is a major problem. But <laughs> so on on the latest five hundred, uh, five hundred by midnight Vegas podcast, they're talking about a new, like North Strip pr- pr- proposed Vegas property where it's going to be this really t- tall, narrow casino with the lobby on like the thirty something floor. And they spent like ten minutes ridiculing this idea that the lobby would be on some high floor. And I was like, oh, well, I kind of like that the ocean lobby is on, like, the whatever it is. I don't know what floor it is even. 12, 6, something like that. 11. Uh, Casino's on 6, lobby's on 11. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I have to, like, agree with their assessments that, like, people are going to check in anyway. This is space that you could use for other things. And, like, the check-in desk should be easy to get to. So, like, that kind of stuff is, is difficult to... Correct. Although there is space like downstairs, like you could put, just put check-in desks down there. <laughs> like you could figure that out. Uh, the escalator situation, the elevator situation is extremely difficult, I think, to fix where you have elevators that actually go directly from hotel rooms to the casino. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, but I will say like 
how much of Hard Rock's 20-something million dollars that they're getting a month is just in the Hard Rock name. And if you attach that to Ocean, does that lift what, you know, not Ocean, but like that property, does it lift that property from the 10-ish less that they're getting a month to basically what Hard Rock's getting now with less investment dollars, even without fixing all those other things that that we're saying that would have needed to be fixed at Ocean. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably, I think it's probably close. I think that I would guess that the upside is higher buying the Taj the, the and Taj doing what they did. but The cost is obviously a lot higher too, though. Right, but the cost is way higher, and it's going to take them like decades probably to make up the difference. And if they had to do it over again, they probably would have bought the ocean. So you think they would have bought it if they'd known how poorly they were going to – well, presumably they would have bought nothing if they'd known how poorly they were going to do it in Atlantic City, but – we actually don't know that for sure, but yeah, and and I don't know. I mean, obviously, I love Hard Rock, and I've mentioned that, and I love the brand, and I think that they could have done amazing things with Revel, but I don't know. For some reason, I feel like I'm more willing to put up with the inconveniences of Ocean of that building if Hard Rock's attached to it with you know the restaurants that Hard Rock's brought in specifically the Hard Rock Cafe, which we know I love, <laughs> you know, the the entertainment venues that Hard Rock's brought in. And that's not to say that Revel's devoid of our 10 is 10 ocean. Ocean is devoid of those things. But, but Hard Rock sort of has the cachet of, you know, their venues draw, right? So I don't know. I, I feel like I would love it even more in that property. Sort of like now that I'm imagining, I'm like, Ooh, that'd be so good. Like mash up those two properties. would be amazing. So I don't, I don't know if they regret it. I think they probably should <laughs> a little bit because I think it's going to take them decades to like make up the difference. Right. But I'm sure everyone what involved you... in those two properties is regretting their involvement at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We don't know what the underlying numbers are at hard rock in terms of all their non gambling stuff. And I think they might be doing actually reasonably well, although it's just not like the gangbusters that they thought they were going to do. Uh, Ocean, I think they're like f really worried about what they're going to do to turn it around because how could you not be? It hasn't done well. But what do you, I mean, what do you think? You haven't said how you feel about that. I, I mean, I think you hit on the key question, right? And the question is, is the layout of Ocean just an unsalvageable problem that makes it so that the property just can never succeed? If the answer is yes, then the property can never succeed. So, of course, they shouldn't have bought it. But if the answer is no, like it would have had to have been a better choice for them than the Taj, I would have to imagine. Just given the amount of money that they poured into the Taj and just given the fact that despite that amount of money, the ocean is still a much nicer property that they could have had for half the cost. And I think like you, I'd be really interested to see what a company with like a vision and a brand like Hard Rock would be able to do with a property like the ocean. And it does really excite me. And I'm a bit disappointed it didn't happen now thinking about it. I think it would have been better for the city uh, with one less casino open, almost certainly. And would have been better for the ocean as a building because 
you asked the question, how much is the Hard Rock brand really bringing in to that property versus, I guess, the property itself and just the fact there's a casino there and the things they've done in the property beyond the brand. I think it's a lot. I think the Hard Rock brand really has brought a lot. The Hard Rock brand and some of their player list maybe from their other casinos. And I think looking at it, the right decision for them probably was to buy the Ocean. Unless, like you said, that the layout just means it can't succeed. Yeah, I mean, I I really do think that the layout is a hindrance, but I don't think... I think you're right. Like, if you bring a brand that has some excitement behind it, I think it's going to, like, people are going to put up with a lot more because they it's something that they have to check out. Whereas, like, Ocean, Revel, like, those brands didn't mean a whole lot. And so you don't have any brand positioning in anyone's mind to get them to come. And then they go and they say, like, oh, well, this company that doesn't have any casino experience has made these weird decisions. Uh so yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I, I, that was the rumor also, right? Like Hard Rock, when they were initially involved, everyone thought that I think they were going to go that route, the Revel route. Um, and I think I, so I jokingly said on Twitter, like, it's going to be the Hard Rock, you know, the, the Hard Rock Taj Mahal or something like that. And the responses were like, no, it's obviously Ocean. I just imagining, I remember at the time imagining like that building, the Revel building with a Hard Rock logo on it and what they could do with just this stunning structure and adding their twist to it. And in a lot of ways, it almost felt Hard Rocky in terms of like the muscle bar and things that they could have done within the structure to make it feel very Hard Rock. Even I feel like the layout of the casino feels sort of more what I would think of as like the vibe the hard rock goes for than even the current iteration of the hard rock at the, at the former Taj. And, and yeah, just thinking about it now, I'm just kind of like, Oh, it would be so good. Like it would be so, so good. And I don't know, you know, who knows, maybe they'd be making less than they're making now at the Taj, but you know, like you said, for half the cost. So you, the amount of time that it would take to make up that difference, I think would be really long. Yeah. For me, just thinking about all the casinos I've been to in Las Vegas and Atlantic City and, and other places. To me, the Hard Rock does have a vibe. I mean, I'm not saying that either Hard Rock's my favorite casino in the world, but I really do think as a brand, there is something about it that really resonates that a lot or the vast majority of other casinos don't have. And you know that I love the Hard Rock in Las Vegas. I think it's a great property. I mean, it's not on the strip, unfortunately, which is kind of the big downside of it. But, you know, how much of the ocean's problems have been that it's been two casinos that have been incredibly nice, but they really haven't had a lot of soul, I guess. A lot of, like, they just feel very blah, right? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. And part of it's also like Hard Rock can come in and do the initial investment to do something like, say, we're going to have 200 concerts in the next 365 days, right? Like, nobody's, you know, the two, well, I guess three technically owners of the Rebel building have been able to do anything like that. So, you know, you've got Ocean now trying to ramp up their entertainment calendar, but like Hard Rock's ability to just hammer the calendar with, with act after act after act you know, whether that has really translated into gambling dollars or not, it's gotten people into the property and we've seen, you know, big crowds over the summer at that property. So, uh, 
and even in Vegas, like obviously it's a different company, but it's the Hard Rock brand, and they have a ton of of acts at the joint in in Vegas, and and we were there. I think once when Nine Inch Nails got out or something, and just like the flood of people through yeah. the casino property is just crazy, and and that is a value that is a form of investment that's not part of the the renovation of the property, but really goes toward making the property good. And so that kind of stuff, like Ocean has those facilities, right? Like they've got Ovation Hall. They could handle everything that Hard Rock could handle. And so, yeah, I mean, just like hypothesizing about what it would look like if they handled that, like is kind of amazing to me. I mean, I think the layout of Ocean and not just the layout, but the way the casino, how it's so... I think there's something architecturally about not the building, but even the casino itself that lends to a feeling of soullessness. And I've always said the ocean reminds me a lot of the Aria in Vegas. And that's a feeling I have in the Aria too. Like it's an incredibly nice property, but I don't really feel anything when I'm there. Like I don't feel like the Aria has much of a soul or at least last time I was in Vegas six years ago, that's, that was my feelings on the Aria. It was a beautiful property, but it just felt soulless. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I know people love it. I know people like, you know, Aria Vidara and like, you know, the, whatever the mall is there. And I just remember walking Crystals through that and feeling and the like, Astoria and yeah, all like stuff that's right there. Like just feeling like this is not what I want in Vegas. Like this is not the Vegas experience that I like at all. Um, and I, yeah, and I agree completely. Like the ocean definitely has that. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'll let you keep talking, but <laughs> right. I, and I think while – so I'm saying there's something about the architecture that it'll be an extra hurdle to get over to make it feel like this is place is really cool. This place is for me. But I think if anyone could do it, it would have been Hard Rock that would have been able to. And just personally, you know, the layout, I don't think it's a big deal for me. I don't want people to think that I don't like the layout. I just think for the mass market consumer, for the vast majority of people who are gambling, I, I think the layout is a big problem for them. Mm. Right. Yeah. If you have if you have mobility issues or something, it's it's just not a good layout. So uh, when I came into this, I mean, I didn't have a firm answer myself, but I think just the conversations helped me solidify my view that a we as consumers have missed out by Hard Rock not buying the Revel property and buying the Taj Mahal instead, and b I think Hard Rock itself made a big mistake by doing that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting conversation. Good question, Kyle. I appreciate yeah. it. So definitely, for one, let us know if you've kind of found that long-form type of question interesting. I'll try to come up with more, and maybe you can come up with some too. And B, let us know what you think about uh, the question as it was asked. Should the Hard Rock have bought the Revel property instead of the Taj? Yeah, and I, so I know like we never really had any love for the Taj, right? So No, not at all. And and we do like the Hard Rock, so yeah. So I'd be really interested to hear from people who really love the Taj, really liked the Taj, as to like, do they feel like the Hard Rock has sort of like done right by it? I guess there's no real doing right by something that was close, like it was going to either be nothing or it's going to be the Hard Rock. But you know, do they feel any sort of feeling of like this is revitalizing this building that I loved, or do they feel like it's now? not the same and they don't even like it like that kind of stuff so i'd also be interested to hear the take on 
should Hard Rock be at the Taj or the or the Revel from people who really love the Taj because that's not who we are. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to hear more conversation about this, and I, I can certainly like post a prompt in the Facebook group and just say, hey, we you know once we post the episode, hey, we had this conversation, let's hear your take on it. Um, but I, also, like you said. You know, if you like this kind of conversation, absolutely let us know because we can do more of this and and shorten up the news stuff or however you want to. Yeah, maybe you want to handle. Maybe it we can I do mean, more. It requires coming up with questions like right. this. And I don't know how many are actually out there, but yeah, and obviously there's going to be like varying degrees of of interestingness for each of these questions. But for me, like, I feel like this is sort of like what we love to talk about, right? So it's yeah, it's fun for us. Yeah. Is that all we have? I think that's it. I mean, there is one more story, but we can we can push it off to next week. I don't think it's or probably two weeks. I don't think it's super important. I think we can close up shop now and it's also on their way to listen yeah. to their next podcast in the list. One of those things that's developing every day and but nothing's actually going to happen with any time soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Something could happen. But anyway, I think we can we can close it up. So if you want to reach out to us uh, or any of our listeners, you can do so at facebook.com slash group slash do for a win find our content at do for a win.com uh you've found our podcast good job reach out to craig on twitter at do for a win or send him questions to do for a win at gmail.com any final words craig you always skip the writer review about us uh yeah give us lots of reviews but only if they're five stars don't be like the guy that gave us a one-star review and said it was okay or whatever he said <laughs> yeah. yeah just okay or something like that <laughs> like okay one second <laughs> anyways we don't get a lot of reviews I don't really know that reviews actually drive anybody to us, but yeah, eh. I personally don't think that good, not great is worthy of a one star review, but only it's binary ones and fives. That's it. The people zeros and have ones spoken. What? The person has spoken. That's true. That's what they chose. So. Maybe he was thinking between zero and one and he was just like, it's okay. So it's a yes one. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't see the four other stars there. Per, perhaps that's a problem. That's, that's what I'm going to go with. But... That's what I'm going to go with. So all our reviews are perfect. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's remember, it. if you want us to be your friend, please subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> and go to Chickies and Beats. And go to Chickies and Beats. I just want to say that there's been some confusion in the Facebook group. People have been going to Chickies and Pete's not in the Tropicana. And I have to tell you that Do For Win Incorporated does not see any of the profits from Chickies and Pete's not in the Tropicana. So please don't do that because it's not actually a good restaurant. Um, but the one in Tropicana, go to that one. Yeah. We also don't see any profit profit from the one if you, in Tropicana if you go to that one. But uh, <laughs> we do like to talk about it. I would go to Chickies and Pete's right now. Let's go. All right. I'll uh, see you there in a couple hours, and we'll talk to our listeners in a few weeks. Hot roast beef sandwich. Basically, it's called, like, Kelly Criterion is, like, how much you're supposed to bet on any, like, given wager, depending on, like, what the odds are and what you think the actual odds are. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, like, my biggest bet ever, like, I wrote this just to back up my biggest bet ever, which was, like, James Tony, who was a boxer. Mm-hmm. He was, like, pretty good boxer, actually. Like, won a lot of championships and stuff. But it was, like, an MMA fight with Randy Couture, and it was just, like, okay. So, like, the boxer it is actually impossible for this guy to win. So, he was, like, plus 500, and Randy Couture was, like, minus 600. So, I think they were saying he was, like... 85 percent to win and i'm like that's way off like he's got to be at least like 95 percent to win at least so 
I made like a many, many hundreds of dollars bet on Randy Couture in that fight and won like 60 bucks. But <laughs> it was like free 60 bucks. 